Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3. 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-337-706-0111. We'll be speaking with Cokie Riley about LSU in the next segment. And then at 1015, we'll be talking with UL running backs coach Matt Bejeron, 1035 UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Anytime other than that. Uh, the game hotline will be open. It was not Monday, so it would have worked better if it happened on Monday. Uh, I love alliteration, but it was what about a meltdown situation last night? One um, with the Cajun baseball team, but they won. And I don't know if you saw the end of the Sixers-Celtics game. That would have been... Seriously, that would have been the biggest meltdown in the history of sports. Have you ever seen? Did you see it? Like the last whatever ten seconds or whatever. I did not see it. That I'm telling you, it would have been it would have been beyond Vanderbilt, like at the British. It was. It would have been had the Celtics won that game. It would have been the biggest meltdown in the history of sports. Like you have to go watch. Like Can you, you summarize it. You had here? to. I, I don't know that I could. Like I saw it. Version of it. I saw it in my mind. Like they, not okay. So they they turned the ball over. I mean, I wish I knew the exact. They were up five or six, maybe seven, with like eight seconds. I mean, it was unbelievable. So they. They fouled to give them the ball. They shoot. They make a free throw. Then they miss the second one. And the ball goes all the way back to the three-point line. Not on, the other team, get, the Celtics get the ball. He makes a three, and they foul him. And then they turned it over again. It was just unbelievable. I mean, again, you have to watch the highlights of the last whatever I, w- I was kind of getting dressed this morning as I'm watching these highlights, and so I didn't, like, write it down. And, or I, I couldn't even believe what I was watching. I'm telling you. It, and, and the Sixers ended up winning, and, you know, obviously most of the country, they're focusing on this stupid MVP race. Like, you know me. I hate – I mean, it's silliness. I mean, but, you know, supposedly Embiid won the MVP last night, which is fine. I don't really care who wins the MVP. It's silliness. But – um, it was ironic the way it worked out because he had this incredible game and Denver got their face crushed so by a bad team. See, I, I love when people like drill this team or that team because they lose to the Rockets. Well, the Nuggets just got crushed by the Rockets. And earlier this year, the Celtics got crushed by the Rockets. But somehow... 
we figure out a way to like some teams it's okay to lose to the Rockets and other teams if you lose to the Rockets then it's this big embarrassment I, I never quite got all of that but anyway I, I'm telling you if you haven't seen it you have to go watch the highlight of the end of that game now the good thing is the um the the Sixers somehow still won so it was kind of like the theme for the Cajun baseball team last night. Everything's going well. As usual, they're playing it at, you know, probably under two and a half hours. It we're cruising along. It's seven to one. I've got my story pretty much written. Just gotta fill in a few details, go do a little post-game interview, maybe get home for 9:30. And it all of a sudden. Two-run homer, RBI single, three-run homer, and the game is tied. Now, it just goes to also show you the kind of season Tulane's having. If you can score six in the ninth to tie and then give the game away with a wild pitch in the bottom of the ninth, kind of shows you the kind of season that Tulane is having, but but from a man, it just so we had like two historic meltdowns, one on the NBA, one at T Moorefield. Uh, but the team that did the melting down ended up winning still. So, um, I would prefer the Cajuns beat Tulane and lose to Tulane and I always prefer the Celtics to lose certainly to the Sixers so I was glad of it but and you know the Sixers felt much better about themselves believe me than the Cajuns did that was look all year long coach Deggs has been pretty positive in all his post-game interviews he wanted no part of being interviewed last night like he wanted he was not given any credit to anything or any, he was not happy and he shouldn't have been happy. The Cajuns walk Cajun pitching staff walked 11 batters and hit two. But what 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 made what what seemed to be really aggravating him and that was the bad thing is how many times the middle of his order looked at strikes right down the you know over the plate and uh with fastballs. So he seemed to be more worried about, more upset about the offense than he was the pitching. But the pitching, and I didn't want. I look, he was not in the mood to answer any questions last night. So, the some of the questions that I was going to ask him, I'm like, it's just futile. He's just not even going to answer it. So, um, but like he was pitching guys that theoretically he's going to be using Thursday and Friday, assuming they play. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a midweek game. So I, it was kind of interesting. I thought the pitcher selection was interesting. Like Christie's a guy that's used in games that are competitive on the weekend. Moody is guy, uh, theoretically a guy who's going to, you're going to use Blake Marshall, all those guys that were pitching. It wasn't, this wasn't like midweek pitchers. This was guys that you're going to lose. You theoretically be using with the game tied or close one way or the other. So I, I I thought the pitcher selection was interesting, and like Christie pitched great. 
three no-hit innings. But the other pitchers, you know, just Tommy Ray walked too many batters. Like, it's just – it was – it was – you won the game, so at least the win got to make you feel a little better. But it was not a good performance. Now, I think it overshadowed one of the things that was interesting, and I brought up in the over the weekend in the in the press box that I'm not a big fan of having three outs at the bottom of the lineup, and most people. And what I mean by outs is guys who are really struggling. So if you make your lineup and you put all your best hitters at the top and your bottom hitters are either really struggling or just not really good hitters, they're in there for defense or whatever, speed or whatever, um, then to me you're asking for trouble. Because if you have any kind of day where the top of the order doesn't get on and your bottom of the order are three outs, then it's hard to function that way. That happened several times over the weekend. So I thought it was interesting because we had had that conversation in the press box over the weekend that for the Tuesday lineup, Veyon, who's been struggling at the bottom of the order, was in the three-hole last night. And John Taylor, who's been hitting a little bit more closer to the middle, was hitting in the seven-hole. Well, John Taylor had three hits last night, did great, and a side bunt uh, that should have produced the – well, it did, I guess – it with the wild pitch, but then Peyton Lejeune struck out uh, after the, the the sack bunt in the ninth. But I, I I think there's a little something to mix in your lineup up a little bit sometime. I understand the thought, well, I want all my best hitters together at the top. I just don't like having three outs at the bottom of the lineup. It's just – it, it – it, it, I don't know. I just don't like it. I, I and I understand it, it looks. It almost looks silly when you first like Veyon hitting the three hole and he's hitting like one fifty or whatever he's hitting him and one something and he's struggling all year long. That doesn't seem to make sense. And I'm not saying necessarily put him in a three hole because I still believe. I know a lot of people believe now that you put your best hitter in a two hole. I still old school kind of believe you put your best hitter in a three hole, but. Um, but I do like the idea of, of not having just three outs at the bottom of your lineup. And so it, 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 that was working out well because the nine hole hitter was Willis and he had his first home run since two years ago. And Taylor had three hits. Peyton Lejeune got a hit. So the bottom of the lineup was producing all kind of base runners and hits and pop, you know, driving in runs and, uh, it was really a good game by the bottom of the lineup, by the way. Yeah, but then it all kind of – it just – it did not end well with uh, giving up six in the ninth and all of the strikeouts uh, before that. So, you know, kind of – it wasn't that bad, but it kind of sort of reminds me of – the scenario the softball team was in just this, in the last week. They played a game that they were not happy with in App State, lost the game the weekend before, and they were go- uh, and they were on their way, you know, to a long road trip. Kind of similar. 
They had, they went up to James Madison. Things looked like they were maybe unraveling a little bit, a little frustration, a really bad performance. Um, and the difference is the Cajuns lost to App in softball. And baseball didn't lose, but they were very unhappy with the performance last night. Um, and so now they're taking a long trip to Marshall. Uh, and so kind of similar. So we'll see. Softball answered the call. We'll see if, if baseball does. All right. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears to LSU with our friend Cokie Riley next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. How are you, sir? Doing well. How's it going? Well, we are um, looking into a holiday weekend with lots of rain. What's the weather forecast for South Carolina as far as you know? Um, I haven't looked at it, to be honest. Um uh, I, I mean, yeah, I actually haven't looked. I haven't had a. I've, I mean, I've been pretty busy this week, so I haven't had a chance to look at the forecast even here that much. Um, but you know, rain is never a good thing for baseball, pretty much, right? No, no problem. A lot of weather report. A lot of uh, rain is you know supposed to be seventy around here tomorrow, hundred percent on Friday. The Masters are supposed to have rain, which is a little closer to a lot closer to South Carolina than here, so. We'll see how how that plays out. All right, so another uh, midweek face crushing last night for LSU over Nichols, which is you know expected, I guess, and and it's been consistently happening. And the weekends you've won every LSU's won every series, and yet you know when you have a team that's ranked so highly and talked, you know, got players that people are already talking about the the greatest players that's ever played at a prestigious program. It's almost like you expect sweeps, and they haven't really been happening. And yet, you win it two out of three, so things are still good, right? I mean, how, how do you look at all that? Yeah, um, I, I think things are good uh, winning two out of three. And I know they don't have as good of a record as South Carolina or some of these other teams, but um, they've also had a tougher conference schedule than South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina has... Uh, some pretty good wins against UNC and Clemson, but I mean Missouri is really their toughest uh, conference opponent uh, that they've played this season. While LSU, of course, has already played Arkansas and Tennessee, and even a team like Texas A&M weren't that bad. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like uh, the fact that LSU's already played two top ten teams basically and have beaten them, I think, pretty soundly in two series. Um, I, I think that's enough to, to still feel pretty good about uh, what this team has accomplished so far this season, even if our non-conference schedule has been pretty easy. 
All right, so the the thing that keeps coming up, sometimes it's the bullpen, sometimes it's the rotation, uh, where you just have pitchers that, you know, either can't get out of the first or can't give you more, you know, more than three, about three innings as a start or a bullpen that falters late. There's been enough of these pitching kind of black eyes to be a little worrisome. How, how concerned are you that that could creep up later in the season? Um, I, I, I think it is at least somewhat worrisome. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's as deadly as it was last season when they really didn't have any starting pitching and they were just, um, leaning so hard on a bullpen that, uh, was pretty good. It had some depth, but really only four guys you could really trust, um, when it came to a, like a playoff scenario, um, like the regional. Um, but I, I think this year they can get away with what they have through a regional and probably even a super regional. But once you get to the college world series where you're playing a lot of games and a condensed amount of time and you're really stretching and you're really digging deeper and deeper into your bullpen and you know, you might have a couple injuries on your staff already to that point. Like that's when things could start getting, um, interesting for you. And, and that's the sort of stuff that could worry you, that should worry you the most if you're an LSU fan. Um, because that's when you really need Thatcher Hurd to pitch well. That's when you really need Bryce Collins to pitch well. That's when you really need um, the guys that are pitching well to be healthy by then. And if that stuff isn't going their way, then it's going to be hard for them to win at all. Um, but I'm not saying that that can't be the case because. Heck, I mean, Thatcher Hurd could figure it out. Bryce Collins is kind of figuring it out right now. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all sort of uh, shapes out between now and um, mid to late June if they get that far. What's the status of Shores right now? Um, he will not be pitching this weekend, and that's that's the most that we know at this point. Um, Do you expect the same – Starting rotation. I mean, one one bad start is is not going to change it, or or could it? Um, I, it's more been more like two bad starts, and then another. Uh, I guess concerning uh, relief outing last night for Factor Herd. So, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't start on Sunday. Who would start in his place? I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean. There's some I, I mean, some ideas bandied around, and I mean, Garrett Edwards has been their best reliever and has the length to do it. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's Griffin Herring. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's somebody else. Um, I, I mean, we don't really know, but it could also be Thatcher Hurd. I mean, uh, Jay Johnson, when I asked him about that, did not rule it out and said Hurd could also help them on on um, Friday or Saturday, since Friday or Thursday. It's a Thursday to Saturday series this week. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're kind of open right now with that spot. And 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 I think it is open because, I mean, Thatcher's alert, he's allowed 12 earned runs and five and a third innings pitched against conference play. Like, that's that's a lot. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely concerning with that last uh, rotation spot. Without Shorts this weekend, they're going to have to piece it together. Um, even more. I mean, we're just guessing right now, but will it matter if they win the first two games or split the first two games, do you think? Like, just to kind of brainstorm, like, w- w- would you maybe 
is there more of a go for it kind of a of a of a option if you don't use herd if you split the two series as opposed to have already won the series? Um, you mean the the series that they've already played, like in conference play, or no? Or I mean, this, like when they play you know, South Carolina, the two games of the yeah. series against South Carolina, right? South Carolina. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think you always want to win as many games as you can, and I think when you have, the, I, I, I think you kind of want to. I, 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 I do think there is like sound logic into wanting to go for it in the first two games, um, just to make sure you at least have two under your belt before things get weird in the last game. Um, but I think that's with a lot of teams, too. I mean, there's not that many teams that have excellent starting pitching when it comes to your number three spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's when things could get interesting. So, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, this is going to be a really interesting series, especially for South Carolina, because South Carolina really hasn't played that much, that much great competition. I mean, Clemson's a decent team, and UNC, that was a really good win last night, but again, it was one game. Um, so they really haven't played anyone who you'd say, oh, they're a favorite to make the call of the World Series or anything like that. And this is the first time they're playing, they're going to play a team like that. So we're going to learn a lot about them this weekend. And, um, and, and, they, and I think just knowing that and, and knowing how good or bad they are, it's going to sort of determine obviously the fate of this series and the, and the, and the plan that LSU goes through. Uh, would, throughout it. Would you say probably not as good as Tennessee about like A&M or is that what you is that kind of what you think of them the level of team that they are going into this series or no? I would say they're better than A&M. Um A&M's played much tougher competition this season, but I mean I I, I mean I got to double check the number right now, but um South Carolina has 72 home runs this season, and they have the number two ERA in the conference as a team. So it's not like they stink. <laughs> you know, like they, they've had a really, really good start. They've had a really excellent start of their season. And those 72 home runs, that leads the conference by a pretty safe margin. Um, I mean, they, they, they've, they've got, they just hit bombs, and they pitch pretty well. So uh, it, it, it's definitely going to be a challenge for LSU. And you could make the argument that, they're the best team that they've played against so far this season. I don't think that will end up being the case, but you never know. Like, I could be wrong, and um, South Carolina could go ahead and win the whole thing. Like, it's not impossible. Like, this team I thought was going to be much better than was than last year's team, and I and I think that's been borne out to be true already. Um, but how much of a real contender are they? I think this weekend we're gonna we're gonna really find out. What's the does that mean they have a little bit of a popcorn park? Um, I, I mean, potentially, yeah. I I, I think that's, de- that's definitely possible. I mean, the SEC in general, I mean, a lot of small parks in the SEC, right? I mean, Jay Johnson has talked about this where, you know, you don't have to concentrate as much on outfield defense in the SEC just because the, all the outfields are kind of small and everyone's using metal bats. And, you know, so it is fairly easy to hit home runs. I don't know if it's quite the level where Tennessee's ballpark is at. But, I mean, they still have more home runs than Tennessee does, and Tennessee is a pretty solid offense. So, um, yeah, and I, but, like, if, if you're wondering, like, oh, is, is the home run count high just because they're, you know, they, they're not very good hitters? I mean, Gavin Casas has 15 home runs. Like, regardless of the size of the park, that's good. So um, you should definitely take their offense seriously if, if that's what you're asking. So this, but this could be a high-scoring series. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, 
well, they're going to have trouble hitting Paul Skeens on Thursday. But after that, it, that's definitely a possibility. And uh, I think Ty Floyd's done a pretty solid job so far this year during conference play. I mean, he pitched really well against Arkansas. And then he ran into home run trouble this past weekend, but he still got through five innings and gave and, and kept all two in the game. And that's kind of all they need with when your offense is this good, right? Um, like, even though they lost in, in a pretty ugly fashion last Saturday, like, they still scored seven runs, and they could have, and they probably could have and should have scored more because they had 15 hits in that game. So, like, when we're talking about trying to find the right starter for the last spot, we're just trying to find someone. LSU's just trying to find someone who can be confident. You know, not everyone could be needs to be Paul Skeens for this team. Like, this offense is really, really good. <laughs> more times they're not, they're going to score at least five runs in a game just, just on the pure fact that they have arguably the two best hitters in college baseball to go along with plenty of lineup depth and options off the bench. And, and they're, they're, they are as set as you could be on offense. So you don't have to have world beaters at every single spot in the rotation. Like that's not what LSU is looking for. They're looking for guys who can get through, who can get through five innings in one piece. Um, and that's exactly what Ty Floyd did the other, the other night. And, like yeah, the ERA might not look super duper pretty after that, but like that's that, that's not really what matters, right? It's it's about winning games. So um, it's whether can they can they find that guy for the last spot, and can they develop a little bit more depth in that bullpen as the season goes along? And I think it's I think it's a lot more possible than last year, but I don't think it's a guarantee either. All right, so if they win two out of three again. It's the most acceptable of the two out of three so far, do you think, for the, you know, for Ooh. the fan who's like, you know, they should be sweeping? Um, yeah, I, I think it would be pretty acceptable because, like, um, a, because, again, it would be on the road. So, I, I, you know, that's never easy to sweep an opponent on the road, especially a top six opponent on the road in a team like South Carolina that has really lost – three games the entire season. So, um, I mean, if you, if you swept, swept them and you, you, I, I guess for lack of a better word, expose them, uh, then that would be, that, that would probably be the best series win of the year, just because just given the circumstances in which it ended in. Um, but I think if you won two out of three, I think that would be totally, that'd be totally acceptable too, because uh, I mean, if you're the number one team in the country, you should be winning every single series and home or away, and, and no matter really, no matter the opponent. So, um, and if they can do that this weekend, then they'll be they'll be a okay. All righty, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is footnotes live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, uh, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, now's a, time, a good time 
um, to do so. We will. We will um, again be talking at ten fifteen with UL running back coach Matt Bejeron. The spring game, which is always funny to say spring game because it's not really a game, but whatever you want to call it is tomorrow. Uh, I guess if the weather's really bad, they're going to go inside. Well, I don't guess. They, if the weather's really bad, they will go in, inside, which they did two or three years ago. Um, and so we'll see how that all um, plays out. Tomorrow, the softball team um, will ask Coach Glasgow in about an hour when he's on. But, um, you know, the weather report doesn't look good. So, we, you know, we kind of been waiting and speculating that something could be changing with the, with the softball weekend schedule. We talked with Bobby about it yesterday when he was on. And so we'll, we'll just kind of kind of don't think there's going to be softball tomorrow. Um, it's complicated because of Easter. It's complicated because there are certain – conference rules that once you start a series you got to finish within you know it begins a three-day period where you got to finish in other words they don't want teams being in a city for like four or five days waiting rain out that that's not that's not um you know something you know they try to get rid of that with league rules so it's a complicated situation and we'll find out more but I kind of don't expect softball is what my expectation is to be played tomorrow um more on the weekend and we'll see like Koki was not um and look I'm the same way and you know Manny and I have joked about it I I'm I don't typically get up every day and look at the weather forecast for the next week or the next four or five days but Everyone's been talking about how bad the rain in the Masters. They're talking about some people are like, how are they going to get the Masters in? And I've even heard people say, you know, they might be playing on Monday in the Masters because it's the weather forecast is just that bad this weekend. So certainly, so, certainly something to keep in mind. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, Anyway, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you have any reaction to anything Koki was saying about, you know, it's you know, you you when you're when your team is really good, you want to win every game and I and I I get that and you know, I don't think that a lot of LSU fans thought that they would have this many conference losses, but still you've won every series. And baseball still is a a series sport. Um, you know, if you're Cajun softball and you know that it's going to take one zero or two losses to win the conference – I understand that being a little bit more of a pressing, you know, nobody's going through the SEC baseball schedule with like one loss or two losses in the holes. You know, that's not happening. So it's not going to take that few losses to win the conference. And, yeah, you want to win the conference. I don't even know how important that is. I mean, it's a goal, but – you know, LSU's going to be ranked highly and their RPI is going to be high and they're going to be a number one seed and all that, whether they finish first, second, or third in the conference. 
other than you want to win the conference. I get that. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think in like a Cajun softball scenario, probably matters a little bit more. Um, LSU would get LSU baseball would get much more of the benefit of the doubt than Cajun softball would in a similar type situation. So, I, I don't know that it matters that much. All right, we'll go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Kevin, you know that with the Masters coming up this weekend, you know I know you you remember when uh, when Jack Nicholas was at forty eight and he won the Masters. How that was like a you know the greatest thing ever. Wouldn't it be like the next greatest? Well, probably even be more the greatest thing ever if Tiger wins the Masters this weekend. How old is he right now? I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure neither. I know he's close to fifty. Dawson, you can check on that. What do you Jack was forty six and eighty six, right? I think he's 48. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I know he's close to 50. Tiger's I, 47 I right now. Tiger's 50. How old is he? He's 47. 47. Well, that's probably about the same age. Yeah. You know, wouldn't that be just the greatest thing? That, wouldn't it be the most, I mean, the biggest sports thing probably for the, the last decade? Oh, that's Jack not. Nicholas was 46. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was 46. Um and I love telling that story. Uh, I, I was with friend, and he is a Jack guy, and I rooted for Tom, and he rooted for the Braves, and I rooted for the Astros, and the Astros were playing the Braves that day, uh, that Sunday, and they were both on TV, and I was flipping back and forth, obviously, and uh, the, the Astros got cheated in that game. Billy Samp with a three-run homer. That was a foul ball, and the Braves beat the Astros 8-7, to seven, and he's like, turn it back! <laughs> That was funny, but uh, but no, no. I, I, it is amazing that they're basically roughly within one year of each other. You know, obviously Jack looked. People back then looked a lot older than they look now. Um, Tiger's led a harder life, but Jack actually looked older than Tiger looks right now to me. Yeah, well, I just you know look. If there's one more major he can win, it would be the Masters because it is the easiest field to win out of all the four majors because. You have these automatic guys that qualify. You know, you don't have the other majors. It's like the best people in the world, full. In the Masters, you know, you got all these older guys that won like 30 years ago. They still can play where it takes up a spot of a real good player. Right, so, but they uh, always, they also talk about, now it depends on what other course you're talking about, I guess, how hilly it is and how hard it is physically on you. Well, yeah, that's going to be a hard part, aren't yeah. you? But they also say the the, part, the thing about the Masters is to know where to put that where to uh, shoot on these greens, where to put your ball at. Because if you put your ball on the wrong part of a green, we do it. Then you right there, you're going to bogey. Because but and and nobody, there's no player right now that knows the uh, the course and all the greens like Tiger does. Yeah, he, he certainly would be. Uh, that would that that would certainly be advantage. Before I let you go, did you see the last whatever it was, eight, ten, twelve seconds of that Sixer Celtic game last night? Did you yes. see that? Yeah. Yes, I did. Would that if they had lost? I mean, that would have oh. been worse than Vandevelt. I mean, that would have been the biggest meltdown I've ever seen. And boy, I needed that win there, Kevin, because I, that that right there pretty much clinched me a number one seed. I'll say, I can't believe y'all fools are going to lose this game. <laughs> and they almost did. It was unbelievable. <clears throat> when I'm watching yeah, I, it yeah, on the highlight this morning, I'm like, I cannot believe what I'm watching. I mean, this is unbelievable. Well, I saw that whole game. Let me tell you something. Joel Embiid, is, he's a beast. Oh, my God. That guy right there is just unbelievable. But somebody that big 
to be able to move that quick. That is the uh, right. I mean, uh, but can they beat? Can they beat the Bucks or the Celtics in a seven-game series? Though I, I don't. The, the Sixers can't, but I'd be worried about the Celtics. I think the Bucks. The Bucks for some reason play way better against the Sixers than they do the Bucks. So I just. I mean, I'm, I, that's who I'm going to want. I'm going to. I'm going to want to rather play the uh, the Sixers than the Celtics. Right. You know? I mean, I, the, I. I just don't think the Sixers can do it. No, I don't. I don't. I don't believe. But I think they could beat the Celtics, though. But boy, let me tell you something. With, you, with James Harden at your point, boy, that that's a that's a that's a meltdown waiting to happen. Absolutely. So have a good one. All right. Take care. All right. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead. We'll take one more before we get to the break. Hello. Oh, uh, Kevin, man, yeah. uh, how you doing? Listen, Kevin, I, I want to tell you real quick. I know you're up against the break. Break. Hundred percent chance of rain Saturday in Columbia. Now, Friday, 60. Thursday, of course, beautiful. Friday, 60. So, uh, Saturday looks like a washout. The front's coming through that day. It's going to be 50 degrees raining. So, uh, I don't know. You know, they're probably going to try to manipulate that. Hey, Kevin, quickly, before I go, seven mock drafts yesterday. Seven different people. Three DNs. uh, I'm sorry, four DNs, two D tackles, and the running back from Alabama. So, and, and of course, I saw some of the guys and advocates say to go linebacker. Kevin, it's gonna gonna be rough, but we're gonna keep working, Kevin. I, 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 I'm, I'm. Do you think there's any chance Nolan Smith is gonna be there? I don't. I don't think so. But then you see crazy stuff like, you know, I don't think there's any chance he's gonna be there. But you see sometimes a, a random thing where he's in the second round or he's at the end. Also, running back. From Texas, uh, but I don't see how the Cowboys could pass him up at twenty. Now I, I think that's as far as you could go. Whatever the Cowboys are, 25, 26, But I don't think he gets there. I don't. I, I would be shocked if he gets to twenty one. If the Chargers don't take him, I'd be shocked. Oh uh, well, yeah, I, I'd be shocked if yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll get to the twenties. But you know, Kevin, I don't. What, what do you think about it? If they took the running back at twenty nine, would you be mad? But Sean Robinson, I mean, I mean, uh, the good kid from Alabama, would you be mad? Uh, I wouldn't be mad, but I, I think he's more of a second round pick. But I, you know, yeah, I, I, I want running back, so I, I'd have to, I'd have to be happy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, As we kind of, we were just talking about rain with the Masters, rain. Manny gave us the update, uh, what it's going to look like in Columbia, South Carolina, or it's expected to look like. There'll be a lot of rain 
in South Louisiana as well. So, man, it's you know, it sounds like rain all over the South this weekend on this holiday weekend, especially here on on, on Good Friday. So, we will um, just see how things play out. And, you know, you got football. I kind of like it. Um, I've heard <clears throat> I've, I've heard some people like, why in the world would you play on Thursday? We had Troy Wingerter last Wednesday on, and he was talking about the decision-making that went into that with Cajun football. Like, do you really want to go into a holiday weekend with, like, one or two practices left and then the spring game or no practices left and just play the spring game or would you rather just kind of get it over with and then have a clean break for a holiday weekend? I think that's I think that was the right decision that they made. Thursday is a little different now, but again, it's not just any Thursday. There's no school the next day. And so, and I would think a lot of people aren't working the next day. So there's probably some work, but not everyone's working and there's no school the next day. So, you know, f- you know, tomorrow night, that Thursday night is not a normal uh, Thursday night. And if my hunch is correct and they're going to be playing no softball tomorrow, then there's not even any sports competition there. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt that thought, but we do have a traffic update that okay. I have to make. Uh, there's a four-car accident on the interstate between Pont de Mouton exit 1C and the Gloria Switch exit 2 with conversion to one-lane traffic. So please be mindful of that if you are traveling this morning. The miracle is that I'm not in that traffic jam. That's that the is miracle. true. Yeah. I mean, hey, that maybe things are looking up for your yes. traffic woes. But yes. Hopefully that gets cleared up uh, at some point soon. Um, yes, it was... Um that can be problematic uh, in in getting to your destination. So yes, thank you for, for, for that update. So um, you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll continue to monitor that and and we'll see. You know Manny, I just I understand like some of these predictions on mock drafts just don't make any sense to me. So I it's hard for me to take like like yesterday I saw one. They had the Saints picking a center. Like, they picked a center, what, three years ago. I just can't see them picking a center. I mean, theoretically, they have a center in McCoy, and theoretically, their right guard is the backup center. So, I mean, you're going to draft another center? Now, I've been saying that your first question has to be, do you want an edge rusher? And I still think that's legitimate first question. But the second question would be, do we really need to address the guard position? Like, like they know what they're planning on doing with Pete because, because there's a bunch of fans and media members out there that think we're tired of seeing Andrews Pete in a Saint uniform. Doesn't mean they think that. Because they have re-signed him recently. And so I don't know what their Pete plans are for sure. Um, But I think they need to determine for sure if there's going to be a guard. And again, we're, we're guessing. We don't know. But 
you can see, I mean, we've experienced it before. Now, this was more of a tackle situation, but the Saints were drafting late in the first round when they picked Ryan Remchek, and we were, we were all doing all this talking, talking linebacker and all these other positions, and they took Ramchek, and it ended up bailing him out, and he's been a star ever since. So, again, I'm not going to complain if they pick Osiris Torrance or one of these other you know offensive guards because offensive line is the safest pick to make. But it's not it's not the most fun pick to make either. That's it. Hour number one. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. All righty. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction simulcast on stadium 32.3 133 on lus fiber the game hotline is 706-0111 and we want to remind you again like dawson did at the end of the last hour there is a four-car accident on interstate between pont de mouton exit 1c and gloria sweat Gloria Switch exit two with conversion to one lane. So if you would like, if you struggle in traffic like I do, um, you might want to avoid that area between Pont de Mouton and Gloria Switch on 49 there. All right. Um, We haven't talked about the Pelicans and. The loss last night, you know, it's amazing the emotional roller coaster that being like one day everything feels great and you're going to win all the games and everything's going to go perfect and you lose a game and it's like, uh oh, it feels like the sky is falling and maybe it is and maybe it's not. I mean, again, that's part of the emotional roller coaster. But, you know, the Lakers had. It was funny. We talked about the collapse. The Lakers had a collapse, and they won. So, like, the theme of last night with Cajun baseball, we talked about the Sixers Celtics, and really the Lakers. The Lakers were way up, and they blew it. They almost blew it, and they had to go overtime, and they got older guys and beat-up guys that don't need to be playing overtime when you don't need to be playing overtime. And that that game should have never went overtime, so they almost had their own near disaster against Utah, who they play again in a couple days. So, but the they're, they're the seven, and what I'm wondering is my issue with the Grizzlies, and we talked about it yesterday, is one, it's a rivalry, and the Grizzlies seem to thrive on rivalries. They're, I don't know that you would – if you talked about cool, calculated – mature franchises who are going to do the rational thing. I would not put the Memphis Grizzlies in that category. So they're they're likely to be more do the emotional response than the, well, we're looking at the big picture response. I don't know how much big picture response you're going to get from them. So that may not be good for the, for the Pels. Um, and 
can't. I guess. I mean, there's. You know, we keep hearing all this Zion stuff. I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? Like, it's it's a pipe dream, is is it? I I I don't think it's going to happen outside of maybe he comes back if you make a seven game series. I've now lost hope that he's going to play in the playing tournament. Yeah. Um. But you are. We are due for an update because it was two weeks ago to the date. This it was two weeks, two Wednesdays ago when they said the next evaluation would be in two weeks. So they play tonight, so they'll be made available to the media. So in theory, we should hear something today, whether it's he's out another two weeks or whatever it is. We should get an update today that will probably crush our dreams. <laughs> and I still say that it, you just don't know what you're going to get. He could be, he could come back and play well, but he he could mess up. Of course, after last night, you say, well, the rhythm is gone that you had. I guess you could make that argument, but I don't know. I That's just, just a scary kind of dangerous situation there. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. What you mean we was way up in the game? When? I thought you had a, you had a lead. Did you watch the game? Oh, of course I didn't watch the game. All right, then. Let's just talk about we were way up. Well, in the I game. saw the we highlights, and, and and you had a lead, and then all of a sudden you didn't. We had a lead? We had a lead? Yes, sir. Come on, Kevin. We had a lead. Now, what's a lead in the NBA game these days? When everybody well, I understand that. But when we you get to down to a few Kyle minutes. Jordan. Yeah, but we – I mean – a lot of these teams, I mean, play to a different level when they play us. I mean, and, and, and Utah got a little bit of talent, but a lot of guys and play that two or three guys that they even play. You know what I'm saying? So the game shouldn't have even got to that point, like you said, but we were never, like, way up in the game. You know? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm just saying, it. It the game did not need to be – it wasn't good for the Lakers that it went overtime. No, I mean it wasn't good, but it was good. We won the game. No, so, I mean, it was definitely you know, good. Mean, you won the game. Yeah, I'm just glad we. Uh, I'm just glad we won the game. But the game we have to win is tonight. That's the game tonight. We win tonight. We in sixth place. Bottom line, Kevin Foot. Do you understand that? No, I get it. Bottom line, Kevin Foot. We win the game tonight. How many so of the last stuff. ten times you played the Clippers have you won though? But how many times have we played the Clippers when we had a pretty good team? How many times that we played the Clippers and we had a good team? We've been kind of bad and going through our ups and our downs as they've been winning their regular season championships against us. And that's cool, Kevin. That's true. That's, that's true. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Nobody cares about that because why nobody care? Because when Kwai, a.k.a. Dr. Claw, first got to L.A., what was the narrative, Kevin Foote? Can you please explain that to me? <laughs> the narrative was he's coming for LeBron, took over L.A., Quiet Town, the commercials, jewelry hanging, old school car. Everything was there, Kevin. And what happened? By the way, I looked it up. You were up. By the way, by the way, by the way. riding a riding lawnmower to come get him because he ain't got there yet. By the way, I looked it up. You were up 10 with a minute 43 to throw. What kind of trash were you calling talking to me for? You up 10 with 143 to go. Yeah, I know. But well, what are you, what were you talking they about then? The backboard from almost half court, and the other guy hit another three when nobody was guarding him. So well, yeah, but that's still a collapse quick. when you're up 10 with 143 to go. I know you got to win, but I didn't see some games. Of, uh, I didn't see worse than that. So, I mean, like I said, we were never up big. When you were up 10 with 143 to go. 
I know that, Kevin. I know that. But like I told you, I haven't seen the words. So that's not – Kevin, have you been watching this Laker team all year? I told you you haven't been watching. This team is not a league. I told it's not you safe I gave up basketball team, in the it's, 90s. It's just starting to be that way. But it, it, it's not that way yet, Kevin. We're trying to build that. So we got to be up 30 on a team with a minute to go that call it a safe game. 30. You hear that? Oh, 30 points. 30? Yeah, 30. No. Got to be up 30 because we can't trust anything. We got to close these games out. And we don't close games out sometimes the right way. And like I told you before, a lot of that goes down to coaching too and stuff. But it's okay, Kevin. We got the win. We got to win tonight. That's all I'm saying. Go Lakers, baby. We right there. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. I, I just, uh, you know, just hadn't had a lot of success with the Clippers lately. And so, I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Seemed like I heard this morning that they had a this humongous lead. I did not watch the game. And then when I looked it up, yeah, they up 10 with 143 to go. So, they, they had – that was a collapse, a late-game collapse that um, didn't happen. So, it was kind of the theme of the night. These late game collapses that were not good, and yet it it ended up working out okay. Cajun baseball, Celtic Sixers, and 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 the Lakers and Jack. Now, again, I know that's a matter of perspective. If you're a Tulane fan, it did not work out okay. If you're a Celtic fan, it did not work out okay. If you are a Laker hater, which I get, Laker haters. Um, then it didn't work out okay. So I get you know again I'm I'm speaking from my perspective, not necessarily um, everybody who's listening perspective. But um, we'll see if they're as dangerous as everyone says. There are a lot of a lot of people who are pretty convinced that, and I heard it again this morning. Oh, you don't want to play the Lakers? Well, we'll see. The Clippers have had a pretty good job with the Lakers in recent years, and we'll see if the Lakers have kind of overcome that a little bit tonight. I just don't, like, I understand that they're playing better, but there's so many teams in the West I'd pick over the Lakers. Even when they're fully healthy, like, what have they... Now, in this new-look Lakers, I guess we haven't seen them fully healthy that much uh, once right. they traded Westbrook and kind of re- reimagined things, but I would still much rather take Phoenix. I would much rather take the Nuggets. I would much rather take... The Warriors, you know, I mean, maybe once you get past those teams, I start Phoenix and the them. Warriors. I don't th- again. I don't think too many people believe in the Nuggets. No, and I get it. I well, it's that playoff thing, right? They got to prove it. But yeah. I also think, how many years can they be a top two, three team in the West and not win playoff series? Eventually, they're going to break through. Is my thought process. But if they get into a series with Phoenix or Golden State, I think they're going to lose the series. Well, yeah, but that's Phoenix or Golden State. What, what do you think either of the one and two seeds right now would beat them, or the three seed? No, I would take Phoenix or Golden State in any of those series. Now, Golden State, no, no, no. I feel. Do, would you take? Would you take the Kings, the Nuggets, or the Grizzlies over the Lakers? I would take Denver over them. I would take the Lakers over the Kings, and Memphis would be a really tough decision for me. But I would take Denver over the Lakers, yes. I might take Memphis over the Lakers, too. Well, now Memphis has some injury issues that have popped up and that are that are now kind of concerning. They'll be without Clark. It looks like they'll be without Steven Adams. Right now, Dylan Brooks is day-to-day, which we'll see. He might play against the Pelicans tonight. So Memphis is injury issues, so maybe I would lean Lakers. But um, 
I just I do think they're like a dangerous team in the playoffs, more so than some of the teams, but I would not have them as one, two, or three. That's what I'm saying. Well, we'll see. We're about to find out. The good thing is, um, you know, a lot of this speculation and wondering what's about to happen is about to, um, you know, we're going to see who wins and loses, and we're going to see the first round with who's in the play-in and all that. So it's the speculate the speculation time for all this is about to end. So we'll see how it plays out. But it, it, it's just fascinating to me that, like, yesterday things looked so good for the Pels, and then you get blown out at home, and you're like, uh-oh, you're not playing the Spurs right now. Ain't no Spurs coming up here. So you're going to have to play well against a good team real quick if it's going to end up well. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears. Do a little more previewing of Cajun football with the spring game. Tomorrow with UL running back coach Matt Bejeron next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Major League Baseball is back. And it's time for a tradition like none other. Old school baseball guys arguing with the analytical crowd on why RBI should still be relevant. Show us that million dollar arm because I got to... Oh, I got a good idea about that five-cent head of yours. No, but seriously, what the heck is war? Yeah! What? Who comes up with this stuff? You're killing me, Smalls. Now, back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us UL running back coach Matt Bejeron. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So the running back room has been a little hampered uh, with injuries over the last two years, and 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 this spring is no different. Kendrell Williams from Karen Crow, where a lot of us were excited to see, just hasn't been able to make it back after his major knee surgery. Uh, Zylan Perry's been a little banged up, so how, how has it kind of been getting through the spring and trying to get everything accomplished with the injuries that you've been confronted with? Um, you know, other uh, Kendrell was was out, you know, and uh, we kind of knew that going into spring uh, that he, he's going to take a little longer than maybe expected. And then, uh, you know, Zylan had a, a he got a hamstring in about middle of spring, but other than that, we've been relatively healthy, um, which has been really good. All the other bags, you know, Draylen, Terrence, uh, Jacob Cabote, um Chaz Ward, Kavon, uh, Martin, and Taylor Nicholas at all have all been uh, pretty healthy, and, and we've we've actually gone around just fine. So I'm very pleased with how spring has been in terms of health, um, and we just got uh, you know Zylan's back rolling. So um, we're and Kendrell is actually starting to take some reps. So towards the end of spring, it's been it's been really good. So. All right, so talk about the if you would the the. The transformation, you know, we've seen it for years over the years. I mean, you know, Kevin Falk 
around here was a high school quarterback, and then he obviously played running back, and so that was a pretty easy transition because he was a running quarterback. Uh, Zylan was a little more of a scrambling quarterback in high school than a true running quarterback. So talk about kind of what are the complicated things about a transition from a do-everything scrambling quarterback to playing running back at the collegiate level? Um. To, to start, usually, you know, when you got a guy that does that, you got to teach them just how to take a handoff to begin with. You know, they're not used to doing that. And then um, pressing blocks and uh, really understanding how to make linebackers fit in holes before I pick my lane and do different things like that. And whereas at quarterback, where the way Island played is, you know, kind of run around, make everybody miss, and then go score a touchdown, you know, and he was really talented at that. His transition um, – kind of caught us by surprise. I thought he would take a little longer than he actually did, but he really has got a good grasp of, you know, pressing blocks and understanding the read keys, and he's really transitioned very, very easily. Uh, so I think it just depends on uh, the kind of, you know, the kind of kid and the understanding of the game. You know, Zion's a very smart, smart player, so he's caught on to the offense very quickly, and I think it's really helped him, and he learns and soaks it all in, and and he's done a really good job of, of making that transition, and uh, I'm excited to see what his future is. All right, so, like, if 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 he stays healthy and his development continues, like, what kind of role it, could he play this year? Like, how big of an impact could he make? We heard about him last year, and he got some carries here and there, but, like, how big of a role could he play this fall? Um, I think he could uh, he could have a significant role if he continues to progress in the way he is. Now that's going to be up to him, and you know we're a long way from deciding on who's who's doing what. And and the competition's really tough in there right now. We got a lot of guys that are playing really well, and it's going to be hard to emerge in that top three or top two guys. And um, and there's he's sure, certainly talented enough to do it. He's going to have to remain to be healthy and and bring it every day in, uh, you know, day in and day out. To, to prove that so he, he's got a chance I, I certainly think that he is more than capable of having a big role it's just it's going to be up to him and how he handles you know the summer coming up and 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 training camp so all right so I know some of this was before you got here but I'm sure you've seen film um like comparing contrast him you know like we think of Raymond Colley and Chris Smith kind of the speed type backs from the backfield in recent years does he fit into that mold is he different than those guys I think uh I think he's a little different I don't think he he doesn't have the like I mean I was around I've been here since 2018 and I was around Raymond and I think that he uh he doesn't have the top like he's he's fast now, Raymond Kelly has elite-level speed. Uh, I don't think he's quite as fast. He's not slow by any means, but I don't think he's quite as fast as Raymond. Now, I do think Zylan is a little has a little bit more wiggle than Raymond does and can make him miss in small spaces, and I think that's where he's a little different. So, um, And, and Zylan's actually a, a little bit bigger than Raymond is um, in terms of uh, weight right now. So, uh, and so it, 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 he's, he's got a... A dangerous combination of size and speed, and uh, you know, quickness and, and burst to really do some damage. So he, he's a little different. I would say they're, they're they're similar, but they're not exactly the same in a couple little areas. 
All right, we're speaking with UL running back coach Matt Bejeron. All right, the guy I still remember when, you know, when Draylon Washington was signed and, and Coach Napier was here, and he raved more in the the you know the press conference after signing day about Draylon Washington than anyone. And so I was like, well, I can't wait to watch him play. And we saw flashes last year of what he could be. But, you know, there's off-the-field things you got to take care of. There's on-the-field things like blocking and all that kind of stuff. So everything I've heard about Draylon from this spring has been very positive. Kind of tell us about his uh, maturation. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like the rest of the guys, I'm very proud of, of Draylon. Draylon has really stepped up his game um, in more understanding of the offense, and he has had a very exceptional spring, really just done a really good job. Uh, very excited about him coming up here in the future, and uh, he's running the ball well. He's the pass protection good. He's catching the ball well at the backfield. He has had a very good spring, and I think it's because he's kind of really changed his approach into you know wanting to be the guy, and uh, you can kind of see the mental switch that has went off in his mind, and, and he has made tremendous progress, and I'm, we're very excited about him and, and where he could go. You know, still a lot of work to be done, you know, but I'm very excited and very pleased with the progress he's made this spring. So last year, when there were games where he didn't get as many carries as maybe someone like me thought, is it, was it just, was it the blocking situation? Was it kind of consistently knowing what holes to hit? What were the things that he wasn't maybe doing as good a job as he needed to last year that y'all are seeing that he is doing now in the spring? Um, I think it was more situational based. You know, uh, last year, you know, third downs, uh, I was really a little bit hesitant maybe to put him on third downs because it really wasn't his comfort zone yet. And he's made a lot of pro- uh, progression in those areas. And sometimes, you know, and we run the ball sometimes on third downs, and um, he might have not been in for those plays. And but he has made a tremendous progress in that area, and I feel comfortable putting him in any scenario now. Um, so I think that's probably where the, the difference in uh, carries probably came into play. We have also heard many times over the years, like at the NFL level, like if you're going to pick up a guy in midseason, uh, a running back is the position that you can throw him in and get something out of him right away. So – there's a freshman running back or two that a lot of people were very excited about in the signing class that are not on campus yet. So how realistic is it that they could make an impact this fall, or is that a little bit of a jump? I think it's uh, very realistic. You know, these guys have uh, have done a good job of communicating with me while they're even not here and asking questions, and we send them install packets and, you know, the playbook, and they're already starting to learn now. So it's really going to be a, a factor if they can grasp what we're doing and can they apply it, uh, you know, and the faster they can do that, you know, um, you know, I, I personally, I don't care. The best players are going to play. If you're a true freshman, you're a registered senior or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, Zylan was a, a example of that last year. He grasped the playbook pretty well and I felt confident putting him in the game and, and he was dependable. So, you know, we want these guys come in as a freshman and they can do that and they can prove that they're better than the other guys and they'll, they'll play, certainly. All right, so for a freshman who's not on campus in the spring, like an early enrollee, 
Like, is it the first week of practice? And when do you when do you really know if they've got a good grasp of the playbook? Um, I think you could probably go, you know, four or five practices in and see, you know, if they're if they're if they're drowning or are they swimming pretty good. You know how how they fitting in and is it really complicated for them or not? You know, uh, you can kind of tell if they're you got the deer in the headlights to look or do they not? You know, so um, it's kind of where you find out there. All right, so if you're a fan and you're going to be going to what we hope is Cajun Field and not the indoor practice facility tomorrow, depending on weather, I guess, from a running back perspective, what should we be looking for uh, with the running backs in terms of the uh, that y'all are going to be able to do as a position with, with the format for tomorrow? Uh, I think you should be looking for uh, extreme effort. We're preaching violence at the finishing runs the right way. Um, we're really focusing on open field, making people miss, and not being one-for-one one tackles. So hopefully, you know, I think we've improved in those areas over over spring, and hopefully that, you know, comes to show up on, on tomorrow, you know. All right, sir, we appreciate your time very much, and uh, thank you very much, and good luck to y'all. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. We have with us UL head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. How are you, coach? I'm doing good, Kevin. It's it's always easier to get up out of bed after a win than a loss. I can imagine to go to sleep after a win than a loss. Absolutely, I'm doing great. Absolutely. You know, last week when we spoke, I got to tell you, I didn't know what was about to happen. Y'all were coming off a very frustrating loss. Uh, you know, not every, you know, as they say, not all your ducks were in a row. And then you had some injury concerns and you were going a long way from home. So I, I was just very impressed with the sweep and everything that went into it because you weren't 100%. Yeah, you know, it was. I was at the press conference last week. Probably that's about the most frustrating loss in 14 years of coaching that I've been through. Because um, I know we're, you know, when you lose to App State, who's got a nice ball club, but when we're functioning at 100% and we're playing Raging Cajun softball, they shouldn't even be able to stay within two or three runs of us or four or five runs of us. I mean, we're, I feel like we're that much better talented than they are. And so when you're the coach of a more talented team and you lose, you take it really personal and really hard. And that was really, really hard for me to to get past that loss. I'm not past it. I've hit my desk. About 20 minutes ago, I hit my desk and said, how in the world did we lose to App State? (laughs) (laughs) Literally 20 minutes ago or within 20 minutes. And, you know, that's what happens. We have, you get a walk, an error, and another error, and you lose. But we, but the game should have already been won and put ahead, put away before that. And so those are things. That's just part of the game. But you've got to react to that in a way that it makes you better. And you've got to accept 
the accountability. You got to be accountable and accept your shortcomings, and accept that you could have did things better in practice, and and you could have done better in pregame warmups, and you could have played better in the first six innings, and then then you've got room to have two errors and a walk in the seventh inning, and we just didn't do those things. So we all moved forward as a program, and and you know uh, we were also dealing with a lot of injuries that it turned out, you know, I was worried that Sam Landry wasn't going to be able to go last weekend after uh, a scare we had with her on one of her legs uh, in practice. I really thought she was out. And then, of course, we did lose Carly Heath. Uh, we lost her for the weekend, and we saw last night how important she is to us. And uh, But we played without her, and we still won all three games fairly, you know, fairly easily i guess there's no easy win but they were comfortable wins but it was sure nice to have her back on the field last night and you know immediately hits a home run in the first inning the second batter of the game and puts us ahead one to nothing and she's just that kind of player and then we'll get her back pitching she'll be a hundred percent this weekend so that's great and then uh you know we've been dealing with a hand injury with uh sophie pisco's and so she's not been able to play defense for us, but she's just been phenomenal with her bat. And she's really doing a great job. And, you know, she's been uh, – it's not easy to be a, a designated hitter and have all that time between at-bats. And, and Sophie's that high-energy, high-octane player that is dynamite. You know, she's got, she just gives you an emotional uh, lift to your whole ball club with her energy at times. And – I wasn't sure how she would handle that role, but she was phenomenal. Uh, and, and, and again, last night. So we got some good, we got some really good stuff going. Um, Vic Valdez is doing a phenomenal job behind the plate and doing a great job. You know, you don't see us last year. I think we give up 54 stolen bases and we're not, we're not giving up anything like that this year. So that's great. There's some good things. There's some really positive things. You know, Maya Davis is, is not. She's, she's kind of went through that uh, 10-game period where she's batting 300, but she's not batting 450 like she did the first 20 games. And and she's going to. She's going to go back up there now, and she'll have a 10-game streak where she does hit four or 500. I have no doubt about that. That's coming just based on how talented she is. So we've won here. Now we get if we can get everything going, we need, these, we need everything clicking in the South Alabama series then followed by Baylor, then followed by Texas A&M, and then followed by Texas State, who I thought and still think is probably the second-best team in the conference, uh, along with South Alabama. Now, at this point, you have to put South Alabama right there beside of them. So these are eight brutal games coming up and a great time to feel good about yourself, and I think our team's definitely feeling good about herself after last night. You you were talking about, uh, uh, and I had the same concerns you did, I, I didn't even think it was possible that Sophie Piscos with all her energy could handle being a DP, but Lainey Crater has impressed me because, you know, last year and this year, she doesn't always get consistent at bats, and yet she still has good plate appearances on a regular basis, even though at times over the last two seasons – her playing, it can be kind of spotty. She's kind of earning a lot of extra at-bats, but what about her allows her to remain consistent, do you think? She's a really talented hitter. Uh, extremely, extremely talented hitter. Uh, and I'm talking about when she swings the bat. And sometimes, and this is what we saw in the fall, there was a point about middle of August, maybe 1st of October, I remember coming in my office and saying to Lacey and Coach Lacey and Coach Justin, 
Man, Lenny Crater is the best hitter on our squad right now. She was just that good in practice every day. And she's still that good every day. Like, her power is phenomenal. Her ability to make contact with both high pitches and low pitches is really good. She's got great plate coverage. She sees ball strike probably better than anybody on the team. And I think that's her challenge is, like, because she sees balls and strikes so good, she knows what a ball and what a strike is. And what she has to learn is that it's not her strike zone, it's the umpire strike zone. Like, they called her out Sunday I. You know, I'm on to her like, you can't take that. And then I watched the film like she should have took it. She should not have swung at it. It was a foot and a half outside or foot outside. It was in the other batter's box. And and they called her out on it. So you just accept that. And, you know, I'm probably missed one. That's all right. But she also has to learn, like, I can't accept balls going through the river, even though I know it's a ball on most strike zones. If it's in the river with two strikes, I still gotta, I still gotta put the barrel on it, and that's what she's doing really good right now. Like she's being a little bit more aggressive than probably her natural personality would be. Uh, I was like, be aggressive. You know, you're not up there to walk; you're up there to swing. And she's cut down on her walks, and then her, but her aggressiveness to plate's really helping us. And then here's the beauty of her and. We combine her with a tremendous athlete and, and defensive player, Kayla Falterman, and, and Kramer Ushtay, and those kids are giving to our program. Like, you know, they can be full-time starters, and they're willing to – like, they don't, they just make – Laney comes in and out of that lineup, and we got great defenders out there on defense in the outfield, even though, you know, in the starting lineup, Pennsylvania, you've got uh, Crater out there or whoever, but we're, we're actually playing – we're basically playing two DPs and then when Laney goes out there and needs to be out there, she's done a great job. She caught a good, a big fly ball for us at the end of game three at James Madison. And she's just a good little athlete, and she's a super smart, really, really smart player uh, and and really a great teammate. Uh, everybody in our dugout is pulling for Laney Crater on every single at-bat. They all want her to do well. They expect her to do well because they know how talented she is in practice every day. So that's been a huge lift for our our team, and I think, you know, having her out there, she's really given us a big uh, lift. All right, South Alabama, what do you look at? We all know they have a, a pitcher who's a veteran, and at times y'all have done real well against her, and at times she's pitched well. So what about the matchup with her, and what else have they done well to be 8-1 and one right now? Well, they're playing really well right now. So they've got speed. They've got the, the Brashear kid and the Keel kid. I think I looked this morning, Brashear had stolen – 20 out of 23 bases. Had another kid that was 10 for 10. Uh, the Keel kids hitting 350, 370. So they, they've got a little more offense this year than what they normally do. And then they've always got great pitching. And then, you know, now those pitchers are juniors. Uh, Lackey and I think Hardy, they're one six foot, one six two. Uh, one throws up, one throws down. But they're going to keep the scores low. And so. You look. I think in 2021, I was so worried about them because I knew they had great pitching, and we shut them out for three games in a row here at home. And you know, I was kidding Justin last night, but that's basically what we've got to go in these games, knowing we got to win one to nothing, two to one. We need to plan on. You know, our goal should be to hold them to less than than two runs a game, and because it's going to be a dogfight, it's going to be a big time matchup, and uh, they're critical games for them. Their RPI is at 60. 58 to 62 range. I haven't looked today, but 
they're they're a, a you know a really good RPI position. But if they could get a couple wins over us, then they move into that top fifty. And when you get in those forties, you know you're in, in you're in a good spot for an at large bid. And so they're coming in here thinking they can play their way into an at large bid in the in the uh, uh, RPI. They're fifty two right. today. They've actually gone up. They're number fifty two RPI. So they know if they can take two out of three against us, they're going to be up in the th- in the high thirties, low forties. So that's a huge, huge motivation for them, and they're going to come in really prepared. And so the games are going to be moved to Saturday afternoon and Sunday because of the weather. We know we can't play on Friday at all, and there's a very, very likely chance we'd get rained out Thursday evening. So we've we've decided to move the game to Saturday afternoon, a doubleheader, and then one game Sunday afternoon on Easter. Uh, Probably be a late late start i'm hoping that we don't start we haven't set the times yet but i'm hoping it won't be before two or two thirty so that families can, uh, fans can have uh, easter dinner with their family and our kids can go to church that morning and then come out for the game later in the afternoon that's what i'm hoping that's what jerry glasgow wants that's not an official decision uh that'll be announced probably later today but it will be a saturday sunday uh, series and uh, a huge huge impact series not only on our conference race but then for South Alabama, a, a huge impact on the NCAA tournament opportunity that, they, that they've got to got and what they'll have to do in the postseason. Huge impact on it. All right, Coach. We're looking forward to this series very much. Again, thanks for your time, and good luck this weekend. Yeah, I hope we have a great turnout. We always have the best fans in college softball, and I'm hoping this weekend is one of those uh, you know magic weekends where our fans are out in huge force because we need, we need our fans out here this weekend. And we look forward to seeing them and 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 feeling their uh, support and uh, and our players gain a lot, you know. Like we talk about, Pisco's pumping our team up. Well, our fans pump our team up. So the impact of our fans is huge, and and we appreciate that. And and we look forward to having them out this weekend to help us get this series. Thank you, Coach. Uh, thank you. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes on this Wednesday. As we go into, again, a weekend with weather, and Coach Glasgow just told us kind of what I was expecting him to say or expecting to happen. No softball tomorrow at Lamson Park. The Thursday, Friday, Saturday series because of rain is um, now going to be a Saturday-Sunday series. And um, I know there's been a lot of talk about staying away from Easter, but I, I, I emailed the Sunbelt yesterday to ask if it was a specific rule whether you could play on not play on Sunday, and they said no. If the coaches agree, you can. And obviously they did, or they wouldn't be doing this. And the other part of the rule that complicates things is 
there's a Sunbelt Conference rule that I learned that if you once you start a series, you can't it has to be finished in three days, the day you start it and the next two days. So you can't start a series on Thursday and finish it on Saturday or Monday, Sunday or Monday. You have to finish it by Saturday. And I think that's why they didn't try to get a game in and start the series. And then, oh, if you get rained out on Friday now on Friday and Saturday, then you're in trouble. Now, there's no guarantee they're going to get in because last I heard, it's supposed to rain on Saturday too. I mean, I don't know, you know, updated forecasts and, and all of that. But it's, uh, it's a complicated scenario. But I think that's why that decision was made. And um, – We'll just see how it how it plans out. According to Coach Glasgow, um, you know, it looks like around probably one, two o'clock doubleheader on Saturday, and it sounded like he was hitting that like around a two thirty, three o'clock start on Sunday. So we'll see how all of that plays out. Um softball, we didn't even talk about McNeese last night. The, you know, the, the McNeese has been kind of pesky, to be fair. Kind of a thorn in the side team that you that you feel like you're better than, but they're good. You know they're good. And they've been kind of pesky. But did not, it, that did not play out this year. I mean, you know, they what did they beat them? Seven to nothing, seven to one, and six to two, I think, were the three scores against McNeese this year. None of them were overly competitive, which is a little bit of a surprise because – you know, even even in seasons where the Cajuns had more wins than they have right now, like when they played McNeese, it was normally very competitive. And um, I, I didn't know whether they would pitch Sam Landry a third time. A lot of coaches, you don't want a team to see a, a certain pitcher three times, but they pitched her and she was effective for the third straight time and got three of her wins this year against McNeese. And again, McNeese is not, you know, Oklahoma State or Arkansas or UCLA, but they're good. And um, it it was uh, not nice three wins. And, you know, those wins help. And, you know, a lot of us are focused on this series this weekend against South Alabama, and you should be. But he was – Coach Glasgow was reminding us that, you know, on real soon here you've got Baylor and Texas A&M and Texas State – so over the next eight games, seven, eight games from now, depending on how many you get in weather-wise, you're going to have a much better – we already have a pretty good idea. I mean, last I saw, the Cajun RPI was like 12, uh, 12, 13 range. Um, so you're going to have a good, a pretty good idea where the Cajuns stand. Pretty good idea where they stand seven or eight games from now after this, not this weekend, but the next weekend. So we'll see how, how things go. Now, look, there's still a lot of decisions to be made, just like we were talking about baseball. Like, Matty Hayden's not hitting. I think Matty Hayden ought to be in the infield, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, they don't ask me, and they don't really care what I think. I'm just giving my opinion. Um, I think she should be in the infield, but she's not. Um, can Stormy go back on the ball? I don't have any idea. I'm not there at practice. Um, it sure seems to me that, you know, you'd be better off with Maddie in the infield and Stormy. But Maddie's also got a hit. 
I mean, she he was talking about the tricky deal with Laney. Laney's hitting. Other people aren't hitting. And so uh, everything is not solved. I'm sure everybody's not happy, but they're winning. And if they can uh, win this series and, and win the series against Texas State and at least split with Baylor and A&M, they're going to be in pretty good shape. So we'll see how how that plays out. I know there's a lot of distractions with Good Friday and Easter and family and all of that, but we'll um, believe me, Jerry Glasgow wants to win this series very, very bad. You heard that. You know, Jake Myers had two hits last night. I didn't hear you comment when? on that. In the game. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, like they pitched to him? And he went two for four. I don't believe that. Corey Jokes also had two hits. I didn't know that. I didn't know Jake Myers... But but by the way, I, I I didn't mention that. Isn't it a good thing that the Detroit Tigers never make the playoffs? Because I certainly wouldn't want to play them in a playoff series. Can't beat them. The Detroit and even when I do beat them, it's like pulling teeth. It's like going to the dentist's office. Are you sure, Jay? I don't believe one it. of his hits was a ground ball to third base, but it's a hit. And I'm trying to find his other hit. Um, uh, I think that's fabricated. He grounded out to short his second at bat. That sounds made up. And then he singled on a ground. Okay, this one was off the pitcher to the second base. Yeah, so he didn't get a ball at the infield, he, but he did yeah, have two hits. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Y'all have a nice day.